Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as he teaches the last message in our series, Next Steps. Let's join in now. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. We're picking up the scripture uh, right as Peter and John leave the upper room. Uh, They were worshiping in the upper room, and that's where Pentecost happened, where 3,000 plus people came to Christ that day. And then they decided to walk around, and they, they were going to go pray at the temple. And they healed a, blind, or a lame beggar who couldn't walk since birth. This guy was just sitting on the ground. He'd be carried there every day by the temple gate so that he could beg for alms. And then after that, uh, they went to Solomon's porch, which is inside the temple gate, and they began preaching to people. And, uh, well, their old friends, the Pharisees and Sadducees, They were kind of upset. And so we pick up the story right here as they're standing inside the the temple, uh, Solomon's porch. They're right there preaching. And now the captain of the temple, this is the second in command. You had the high priest, and then you had the captain of the temple back in the Old Testament. These were the people in charge. They're about to confront Peter and John, and this is where we pick up today. And we'll read the scripture, and then we'll discuss it first. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came, up, came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. You see, they were telling people the truth about what really happened and who killed Jesus. And they laid, verse 3, and they laid hands on them. Now, this wasn't a prayer meeting, okay? It wasn't that type of laying hands. They wanted to kill them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Remember how a few weeks ago we talked about the advance of the gospel and how by the uh, Acts chapter 4, 5, and 6, there were some 8,000 believers in just a few short months. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem, this is called the Sanhedrin, the ruling government of the temple. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And I love this. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't it good when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and walking with Jesus? Filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, and Everybody probably turned and said, "Uh uh-oh, because a preacher is about to talk and we're going to be a while, you better pack a lunch, you know? It says, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, remember they healed the lame man at the temple gate, by what means he, he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the names, say it with me, of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This guy was healed and no one could deny it. He was standing up and walking. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we might be saved. Who is that name again? It is 
Jesus. Look at verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, a lot like me and Pastor Fred, you know what I'm saying? They marveled. They said, how could God be using these guys? Do you ever feel that way And when God used you? How could God use me? Sometimes I stand up here and I, I look at you and I think, wow, God put me up here. That means he can use anybody. Let that be proof because he can. And verse 14 says, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? They wanted to really punish Peter and John. What should we do to them? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in where? The city of Jerusalem. This thing spread. And so we cannot deny it. They tried to deny the, the resurrection of Jesus. And they tried the, the fun and games there. But when it came to this man, they had nothing to say because everyone was standing right there. So verse 17 says, but so that it spreads no further. See, that's what they were trying to do with the resurrection. Spread no further. Among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. And I love this. This is where Peter and John step out. This is where they step out. Their faith gets very real at this moment. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Now that is stepping out. You know, how many of you thought that you've done some dangerous things in your life? You know, the most dangerous thing I've ever done was jump off of a 40-foot boat in the Bahamas into the ocean uh, with a strong current. And, and I didn't even see the bottom. I had to jump, and I couldn't even see the ocean. And everyone behind you couldn't, couldn't even hear the splash. That's how far up it was. And I remember diving in thinking, I'm the man. But these guys, these guys trump any dangerous thing you or I have ever done. Can you imagine a person, think about this with me, can you imagine a person who cannot be threatened? There, who, who, there is no punishment for which you will make them change. There's no bruise they can take. There's nothing you could do to their family. There's nothing you could do to their money. There's nothing you could do to intimidate these guys. This is stepping out. You see, I fear that the outside world looks at most people who go to church, and th this is what they think. This is what they think. My life and their life is the exact same life with the difference that I get to sleep in on Sunday or go camping on Saturday night and stay all Sunday, and they don't. They go work somewhere. That's the only difference in their life. But do you think that's what Jesus intended when he saved you? No, 
That's not. He intended a life that was radical, a life that mattered in this world. And so today your first blank is simply this. Save people. Step out for their Savior. You might want to write this down on the back of your program. Saved people step out for their Savior. Now, this isn't on the screen, but you may want to write this down. What do I mean when I say step out? You can write the words step out equals, just write that down. Step out equals advance the gospel. Advance the gospel. You see, we're people just like Peter and John were people. They weren't seminary trained. They didn't have a lot of education. But here's what they did have. They had the power of God and the Holy Spirit, and it enabled them to have one focus in this life. And if you're going to advance the gospel, you have to narrow the focus of your life down to one thing, and that is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, where your life gets, your life's focus gets narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower. And next thing you know, the only thing that matters in this life are eternal things. Let me ask you, when's the last time that eternal things truly mattered to you? To the point, to the point that you could be threatened and not scared. To the point that you would give up something in this world so that you could see the name of Jesus advance. That is God's call to the church. Listen to Acts chapter 15. It's up on the screen or in your program. Acts chapter 15, verse 25 through 26, tells us the, uh, you know, it tells us the, how, how, how these guys were thought of later on in life. And here's what it says. So we decided, having come to complete agreement to send you official representatives, along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who hung out with Peter and John, the disciples. And what does verse 20, 26 say? Who have, read that with me, risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is one of those big deals where you start to say, whoa, Dave, you're pulling me down to the deep end of the pool here. And I'm saying, yes, yes, I am. Because we need to be a church of next steps. But there are two ways that we see here in the scripture that we can accomplish it. You know what? It seems, it seems like something that most of us can never attain. I don't know if I could ever become that fervent, that uh, excited about advancing the gospel, Dave. Maybe that's just for you, a preacher. You're up there. You're supposed to say it. No, that's not how it works. Here's how you get there. Here's how you step out and you start narrowing your focus. Number one. Start offering options in your life and in our church to advance the gospel. Start offering options. <clears throat> now, look at this map up on the screen for a second. I want to show you how Peter and John simply started offering options of the gospel, and it further. Now we'll unpack this in your life and how it matters. Uh, if you look up at the temple, <clears throat> down here at the bottom center, this was the gate called Beautiful. In Acts chapter 3, verse 10 through 12, you can read about it just a chapter before if you want to read about uh, the lame man who was healed and uh, if you want to read about how he preached the gospel in Solomon's porch. But right there at the bottom is where uh, possibly where the guy was healed. And, and, And then move forward to Solomon's porch, just that line right there. That's where they started preaching the gospel and people were there Uh, Now, if you think about it, move your eyes all the way up to the top center of that building. Uh, That was the holy place, the temple of 
where the high priest sacrificed for the people. This is where all the business was done prior to Jesus coming, right up there in the center, right there in Jerusalem, um, where the Dome of the Rock is right now. And, and here is simply what Peter and John did. All of the business with God used to take place in that top center building, in the Holy of Holies. And what they did was they brought it to Solomon's porch outside and then outside the entire structure by the gate. And then they brought the name of Jesus to the upper room where they had the Lord's Supper possibly. So if you see what they did, they simply made the gospel more accessible with their life. They brought it from a place where only a few people could know to a place where more people could know. And here's the interesting thing. Catch this with this map. It's the people who stayed inside the walls, the people who played church, who were in church, those are the people who didn't know who Jesus was. Did you catch that? It's the people who were stuck inside of the walls, whose faith never made it outside the doors, who never got outside the gate. Those are the people that never made a difference because they never stepped out. They never stepped out for their Savior. Now, if you would, turn, uh, or not turn, but grab your next step card inside of your program. We are developing this next steps model for our church. This is a discipleship model. This is a, a way to get you to move from where you are now to closer to Jesus Christ. And I want us to read these nine um, bold-faced and underlined statements together. These are our nine Next steps. Ready? Go. Meet Jesus. Say it loud with me. Get, uh, meet Jesus. All right, next. Get baptized. Read my Bible. Join a group. Start serving. Ownership class. Care and prayer. Missions and finances. Now, here's a challenge for you today. Which next step? Are you going to commit this year to getting better at, to taking for Jesus? Let me unpack this for you. If you look at the card, some of you have not begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to take that step because here's what I know. You're stuck inside the Holy of Holies and you don't know the name of Jesus And guess what? He's coming back, and he means business, and he wants to save those who have come to faith in him uh, by grace. Uh, Some of us need to be baptized biblically by immersion after salvation. That is your next step. Some of you have to learn to read your Bible. You know what? If you need to take the one we have home, take it home. It's the holy word of God. You know that, that feeling you had when we were singing, Open Up the Heavens? Do you remember that right there just today, how everyone's joined in? You'll get that same feeling. You'll, get, you'll have that same experience if you'll just open up your Bible and learn to read it with a reading plan back at the back. Some of us need to, to make the commitment that in the fall, no matter what, we will join a group. You might say, I don't know if I want to be known. I don't know if I have time for it. Hey, make the time. Step out from where you currently are as a believer. Take a step. Loosen it up. Next, ownership class. Hey, it's after service today, and this may create a tidal wave, and we may have to run to Albertsons. I don't know. But can I tell you, 
that we live in a day where people want to kind of commit to a local church, kind of do it. But today, maybe you need to stay after for the lunch with the free lunch and the free childcare and say, you know what, I'm not going to kind of commit anymore and, and stay there only if it's good for me and perfect. But you know what, I'm going to go all in, even with the problems. Guess what? I'm the pastor of this church, so this church is pretty jacked up when you get right down to it. I know there are problems. There are problems in every church. And if there weren't, there'll be some when you get there. I promise. And so some of us need to get into ownership class and step out. Stop standing still in your faith. Next, start serving. You know what? This doesn't have to be your favorite place. Just get your hands dirty. We need to be a people who get our hands dirty. Uh, Care and prayer. You know, one day I can see God providing a team of people who care for our congregation so much. They phone call. They pray for them daily. They, uh, they will uh, send a note of encouragement. They'll show up at the hospital. Uh, there's going to be a group of people one day at this church who are committed to that and taking the step of not just looking at themselves but being concerned about others like Philippians 2 says. Move on to missions. You know what? Here's how you can take a step toward missions. How many of you have never, I'm going to ask it the opposite way, how many of you have never been on a mission trip before? Raise your hand if that's you. That's right. That's most of us. Now check this out. There are usually two things that keep us from going on a mission trip. You know what they are? Time and you know the big one, money. Do you know that today you could make the decision and step out and say, you know what, the next time that Elevation Church offers a mission trip, which we have a few going, but in 2016 we're going we're gonna to start offering these things, you might make the decision today, I'm going to save vacation time and I'm going to start saving some money so that when a mission trip comes, I can step out and I'm ready to go. Can I tell you that it will radically change your life? And here's the last one finances. Can I tell you that Elevation Church uh, has experienced a huge growth in the area of finances? Can you praise the Lord with me for that? Um, But here's what I know. I don't know if you know this, but we're standing in a building that we have a 10-year lease, so we've almost completed the first year, with an option to purchase for $1.5 million dollars. And I know this, God didn't call Elevation Church to be a flash in the pan. And if you look at the plans that the city has for this area, uh, where this building sits, this has potential within the next decade to be the most beautiful area in the entire city. I don't know if you know that or not. It's called the Ebird District. You may want to Google that, but here's what I know. We'll never get there. We'll never get to the place where we can root unless people begin to honor God with their finances. If you've never given, start giving something. If you're giving a token, try to give God your best cheerfully. Maybe you have the gift of giving and you can help the church move forward in a massive way. We need folks who will buy in to uh, taking the next step financially here at Elevation. God has blessed us uh, through survival, but here's what I know. God will bless us with advancement if we'll step out with our finances. Are you with me on that? Can you envision a day where this belongs to Elevation Church and we're reaching thousands of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ because we stepped out with our finances right here? And, and, and I, it's an amazing thing, and I believe that God can use us to do it. Do you believe God can use you in all these nine ways? I believe he can. And so... I want to move on. It's offering options. And, and 
and starting to have mission trips and growing as a church and expanding our small groups and expanding our serving and having different ways that we touch the community out here with outreach. But it's also about this. This is how you'll step out. This is what you have to do. Offer the gospel in the face of opposition. Offer the gospel in the face of opposition. Now, if you look back at uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 5, when these guys stepped out, when they finally stepped out of the building and started getting the gospel out, this is who they encountered. It says, and, they, and it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest. You know how many people this was? Peter and John, how many people? You want to know how, what the opposition was? The Sanhedrin consisted of 71 people standing there on Solomon's porch, ready to take it to him. And these guys, you know what they did in the face of that opposition? They took one more step forward, and they started preaching to them. That is stepping out. That is conviction. That is confidence. So how do you do this in the face of opposition? Here are a few ways. Can I tell you that most of the opposition to us growing in our faith and stepping out and getting advanced toward the gospel happens in our own family? Can I get an amen? You know, we don't have 71 Sanhedrin, but many times there's a spouse. It could be the wife. It could be the husband. There's a kid. It could be a teen who's digging their heels in saying, our family, we're, no, we're not going to go this way. I don't know if I believe that stuff. I'm half-hearted. Yeah, I'll go if it makes you happy. And, and you know, the guy says, hey, if we can go on a date and have some, some uh, funky time, you know, hey, I'll go to church. You know what I'm saying? That's how guys are. Ladies are like, hey, if you'll do the dishes, if you'll vacuum, yeah, uh, yeah, then I'll go to church for people who have opposition. But there's other opposition, too, where we're wor- we worry about our money And we forget that God takes care of us. We worry about losing friends. We worry about what will happen with our life. Uh, Will I grow up in South Florida and end up spending a good chunk of my life at the least starting a church in Montana away from all my family and friends? What will happen to me if I step out? I don't know. But here's what I do know. The opposition, hear this, the opposition to you growing in your faith, whoever it is, whatever it is, is powerless. Hear this. It's powerless in the gospel. Do you believe that? That opposition is powerless in the gospel. And here's what I have have to tell you. Today, you may be facing a lot of obstacles. How many of you have a lot of obstacles in your life? I know my hand is raised not to get you to raise it, but because there are lots of obstacles in my life that get me down, that, that uh, tear me down and make me wonder, am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right direction? But here is a great thing. You want to write this down. Many times in this life, you will feel rejected. Many times in this life, you will feel rejected living for Jesus. But here's what God can do. God use it He'll use it to redirect your life. You may feel like it's rejection, but God is interested in redirection, aligning your life to look like his. So which step will you devote to taking this year? I want you to spend this week and and ask yourself, which one of these nine am I going to take? Am I going to start to move in my faith? And so we just talked about the what, uh, what to do. 
and stepping out. But now we're going to talk about the why. How many of you like to know why? How many of your two-year-olds like to know why? How many of your four-year-olds like to know why? You know, when Amy and I were first getting married, Amy had a big question. She wanted to know why. How many of you in your relationship, in your marital relationship or dating relationship or something, you come across something that your two families did differently and you say, why? Why did you do that? Well, her big why question is why did we go camping? Why do you go camping? You see, because she ended up telling me that her family didn't go camping growing up. They went hoteling. And so when I told her, hey, when we get married, I'd love to take you and go camping. We're going to get a tent. We're going to start a fire. We're going to grill some meat. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. And she'd go, why would you want to do that? She said, there's no air conditioning. There's no TV. You can't go out to eat because there's no restaurants near. Your cell phone doesn't work. Why would anyone go camping? Why? I don't know. And so I had to stop and tell her the why. And uh, I still don't think she knows why and still doesn't understand it. And so because of that, oftentimes our family goes hoteling, just so you know. And it is very uh, funny that God would move us to Montana, the greatest state in the world for camping. And, uh, and here we are in hotels. But I want to talk to you about the why. Why do we step out? Why do we do it? I want to bring your attention to Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Just look, at, look back. This is why. Here's what the scripture says. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, they marveled, and here's where it is, and they realized that they had been with who? Jesus. They had been with Jesus. And so we know that saved people step out for their Savior, but here is your final message point. Save people step out for our Savior because our Savior did what? Stepped out for us. He stepped out for us. Listen to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. This is what it says. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Here's what happens when you grab onto the why, when you've been with Jesus, when you've experienced him. There are two things that are produced in your life that enable you to take your next step, that enable our church to be a people who take their next step and bust out of stagnation in their faith. And here's the first one, conviction. Conviction. Can I tell you that there's a huge tension right now in the world between a biblical worldview And what you see in the news, what is being taught in schools. And so what's happening is people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and saying, I want the Jesus who died on the cross and rose again for me. How many of you want the Jesus who died and rose? Everyone wants that. And they want to believe the Bible for that. But they won't believe the Bible in its entirety. And how it tells us to live. And how the Bible tells us to think. And you know what ends up happening? It We become impotent Christians who are powerless, who stand still, who never take steps of faith, who never move. And can I tell you that we need to stop 
believing all the articles on Facebook and begin believing the words on God's book. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what we got to do. I'm saying, hey, if you are struggling with politics and where does it fit in the Bible, read Romans. If you're struggling with how to treat people, read James. If you're struggling with sin and worldliness, crack open your Bible and read 1 Corinthians. If you're struggling with the government and what's going to happen and you're all worried because a Republican has office or a Democrat has office, go read Revelation. Here's the thing. We win. You heard what I'm saying? And if all else fails, if you don't know anything else, if you don't know anything else, read a gospel and meet my friend Jesus because he will allow your life to step out and become something for God that you'd never dreamed before. He can do it. The troubles of this world fade away. See, many people think, oh, that guy's just trying to get me to do more stuff for the church. No, 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 no. You know what? When we step out in faith, we free ourselves. Hear this. We free ourselves from the little G gods that are ruling our life, the gods of addiction, the gods of hurt, gods of pain that are holding you back that are holding you back, they're holding me back. When we step out, we step away from our sin and we look more like Jesus. But why do we do that? Because we become convinced with conviction that God's word is true and that the same Jesus who died and rose was also responsible for writing this book called the Bible, and we are convinced it is the truth in this world. Who is convinced that it's the truth in this world? And then lastly, we operate out of confidence. I know the number one reason why most people never step out. The number one reason, you ready for it? It's because people just simply say, I'm not good enough for that. Dave, you don't know my personality. You don't know my life. You don't know just how bad my sin is. You don't know just how hurt I've been by the church before. Dave, you don't know. You don't know me. I'm not good enough for that. I'm not going there with you. Can I tell you that when we start a sentence with I, when we're challenged to grow in Christ, we have placed our confidence in the wrong thing. Where is our confidence? Our confidence is in Jesus Christ alone. You see, these men, why could they step out? Because they've been with Jesus, and it became all-consuming to them. It became all-consuming. And you may say, Dave, that's a, that's a big step. How is that going to happen? Well, I know this. I know this. I believe God wants to use Elevation Church in a way that we could never dream, in a big way. Do you believe that with me? He does. But here's what I know. It starts with everyone taking their first step because guess what happened? uh, Peter and John, they started at the gate. They went inside, shared a little bit. And next thing you know, remember, 300 years later, there were 1 million believers in the Roman Empire out of 1,881,000 people. 1 million believers, all because Peter and John did one thing. They stepped out of the Holy of Holies, and they got out there and lived their life and advanced the gospel with the people. Let me ask you, let me ask you a big question as we come to a time of response. 
Will you be a person? Will you be a person who helps Elevation Church step out? Will you? Or will you start and say, you know what? I'm not good enough. I don't know if I can go all in like that. I don't know if I can grow in my faith. I don't know if I can grow in reading my Bible, Dave. I don't know if I can grow and become a person who leads small groups or offers my home up so that you can have a Bible study in it. I don't know. Or will you be a person who says, yes, I will be a growing Christian and I will take just the first step. I will step out of the temple and get my life going. I'd ask every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. I know this. If believers would just take one step, one step today, it would radically change their lives. If you want to see your life move today, maybe you need to commit to taking one step and grow in an area that maybe you've never grown in before. Maybe it's just been too long. Like I said, this message is a lot about who we need to become as a church. And I pray that we grab on to what it means to step out. But today, you can't step out for Jesus if you don't know Jesus. And maybe your first step today needs to be meeting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and making this the day that you begin a fresh and new relationship with him. You say, this is my movement. I will place my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. If that's you who would like to begin a brand new relationship with Jesus today, would you raise your hand? Just let me know. Is there anybody like that that would say, I want to begin fresh and new today with Jesus Christ? Let me ask a second question. Is there anybody today who would say, I know my next step is baptism, to be immersed like Jesus was, but I've just never done it because I've been afraid, but today I realize, like Peter and John, I need to, I need to get moving, and I need to take a step. Is there anybody like that that would say, I know that I need to be baptized but haven't been? Is there anybody that would raise their hand and say that? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else across the room? For those of you who raise your hand, look at me for just one second. We're not going to embarrass you. Hey, we have a baptism, and you may not be able to make it June 7th, but next week at the park, I want to encourage you on your card to take that step today and start to align your life to the gospel and making that the most important thing. Because here's what I know. Obeying Jesus is the best place to be. You'll experience the power of Jesus when you obey him. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Please take a few moments to respond to today's message.
questions or you have made any decisions, email us nextsteps at elevationbuildings.com. To find out more about our church, visit elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.